Chapter 3, Sisterhood Restored The idea of female friendships is pretty much universally celebrated. The show Parks and Rec popularized celebrating Valentine's Day, where Leslie Nope declared ovaries before roveries, uteruses before deuteruses, which is obviously comical, but it speaks to a general appreciation for sisterhood. Between the idea of sisterhood and the lived experience, however, we find a gap. It's far easier, I would argue, to get behind sisterhood in theory than in day-to-day life. I've heard it said that most friendships do not last beyond one mistake or disagreement. Has that been the case in your life? I've seen it in mine. In middle school, I had a friend stop talking to me because she didn't think I would be as popular as her. In high school, I always gravitated towards guys because they were, quote, way less dramatic. A friend of mine in college went months without talking to a housemate of hers because they had a falling out. If we believe that women are made good and that God made us for community, wouldn't we want to prioritize sisterly relationships? Perhaps I don't need to convince you of the value of sisterhood, but maybe you you could use some renewed conviction or encouragement in this area. Let's talk about why we even need sisterhood and then some practicals for what it can look like and how to build it. Is it worth it? When I was in college, I was in a women's household. It wasn't exactly like an SPO household, but the basic pillars were there. It was a group of women who committed to sharing life together, praying together, and being sisters to each other. I didn't know what to expect when I joined. I remember being at a get-together that we had and seeing the women serving each other, laughing with each other, having deep chats and dance parties. As I observed this new environment, two things struck me. The first thing I noticed was that no one acted like it was all about them. They were seeking each other out, including each other, supporting each other, and lifting each other up. It hit me that I needed to get out of my own head. My approach to sisterhood could not be about me, what I could get out of it, or how I felt about it. The second thing I realized was that these women loved me. They hardly knew me yet, but they loved me. I didn't have to be a certain way or do anything special. They knew that they were daughters of God and that that made me their sister. That's all they needed to know in order to love me and welcome me into their lives. As time went on, my bitterness and skepticism towards other people that I had carried from past hurts softened and healed. It became a source of great joy to seek out ways to love my sisters. I can think of countless times in SPO households where, over time, women warmed up to each other. I can remember a time that I walked into my household and no one seemed to be around, but I could hear laughing. I went upstairs and found all six of them in one of their rooms just giggling about who knows what. This was after the initial first few weeks of getting to know each other and learning how to live with each other. They realized that their sisters were for them and they could be themselves. There seems to be this turning point where things get goofy. There's no other word I can think to describe it. Have you experienced this? Over time, women start to realize they can be themselves, and there's just so much laughter. When you look around the room, no one's trying to be a carbon copy of each other. They are just totally themselves. Quirky, goofy, free. There's also a depth that is unique to sisterhood. We just get it. We can be totally opposite in personalities and interests from a sister, but when they share what's on their heart and mind, we're able to offer understanding and empathy. Maybe you've heard it said that women have a gift of receptivity. We can see that at play in sisterhood. 
We can be totally open with others, able to receive and respond authentically and in real time. There is nothing like a good heart-to-heart with a sister. We walk away feeling known, validated, and encouraged. These friendships are irreplaceable, and we will always need them. We can and should prioritize them now and in the future. The women that you are building sisterhood with now may be a part of your life forever. They are the women who will stand up with you in your wedding, be godparents to your children, rejoice with you in celebration, stand by you in trials, and pray with you and for you. Our sisters are not a filler until we're in a relationship or are married someday. The women that we surround ourselves with will influence who we become. Beyond mannerisms we can pick up from each other, we can also pick up behaviors or ways of thinking. If you're with someone who complains a lot, don't you find yourself more apt to complain as well? We're always growing and learning, but especially during college, we're setting ourselves on a trajectory for the rest of our lives. We're learning what it means to be an adult, a part of society, and more importantly, who we are as women and as God's daughters. I look to the other women in my life to learn how to be a woman. Every day, I think about women who've invested in me and whom I admire. I'm my own person, and I'm not trying to be a cookie-cutter version of someone else, but I am inspired by and learn from others. I learn a lot from the men in my life as well, but I only learn how to be a woman from other women. If I want to become a selfless, virtuous, and holy woman, I want to surround myself with women who model that to me. Once I realized this in my own life, I took on a disposition of learning from the women around me. I made it a priority to seek out women who were older than me, even if I didn't know them well, and ask if I could spend time with them and their families or roommates. I started to share more openly and honestly with my peers, especially with women in my small group, about my struggles, decisions I was making, etc., and asked for their input. Many of us might naturally seek to support our friends and offer them encouragement and counsel, but we also need to learn to receive as well. God has put amazing women into my life, and I do not want to miss any opportunities to learn from them and let them lead me to Christ. A model of sisterhood. Not all female friendships are supportive or encouraging, though. Not all female friendships lead us to Christ and bring us to a place of healing and freedom. There's a difference between sisterhood that's rooted in God, which seeks to serve the other and strives for that, even if it's not perfect, and friendships that are rooted in fear and security and self-fulfillment. The latter is prone to being superficial, non-committed, and fraught with comparison and competition. Those are not the kind of relationships that endure and bear life. Sisterhood rooted in God is selfless, joyful, and free. We should have a vision for sisterhood and make a commitment to persevering in it. Mary and Elizabeth are the perfect example. When Mary was pregnant, she went on a journey to her cousin Elizabeth's house, who was also pregnant, to stay with her and serve her for three months. Their greeting to one another was filled with love and joy. Mary was not reluctant in greeting Elizabeth. She was not sulking in her physical discomfort or seeking recognition for the sacrifices she made. She was there to rejoice with Elizabeth and to serve her. Luke chapter 1 says, During those days Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. Their encounter led each other to a greater depth in their relationships with God. 
they rejoiced with one another, not only because of their mutual love, but because of what God was doing in the other's life. What a life-giving encounter for each of these women. Even John the Baptist leaped for joy in his mother's womb. We've discussed the idea of being a self-gift in previous chapters, and sisterhood is another area where we can practice giving of ourselves and seeing life be brought to the women around us. This is a testimony from Abby. Most of my high school and college life, I thought I knew what sisterhood meant. I went to an all-girls high school, joined a sorority in college, and was in a major in field that was dominated by women. This is a testimony from Abby. Quote, Most of my high school and college life, I thought I knew what sisterhood meant. I went to an all-girls high school, joined a sorority in college, and was in a major in field that was dominated by women. As I totaled up my female relationships, I assumed sisterhood was shared experiences and scandalous stories. I assumed it was being able to rally a friend and be their wing woman or someone to hold back their hair at the end of the night. I assumed it was ultra-femininity and women's rights. And although there were small glimpses of sisterhood in those relational moments, I did not realize authentic femininity, authentic sisterhood until the day one sister invited me into a deeper relationship with the Lord. My third year of college, after living too many years chasing men and the world's idea of feminine beauty, an older sister invited me to attend a Fan in a Flame retreat. Though I had told this woman no to many events in the past, I was able to say yes to this retreat, yes to baptism in the Holy Spirit, and yes to accepting Jesus as the Lord of my life. It was because of this sister's pursuit of me that I began to realize what true womanhood and sisterhood is. In the years that followed, as I developed a personal relationship with the Lord, I was able to better love and serve the women around me. Sisterhood, I realized, was both complicated and simple, like the heart of a woman. It is accountability, it's conflict resolution, it's empathy, it's childlikeness, but most importantly, it's choosing to love the unique woman in front of you because she is made in the image and likeness of God. A gift for all. The gift of sisterhood isn't just for a select few or a group of women who naturally click with one another. This gift is meant for all. When I was a missionary on campus, there were four girls who were starting their sophomore year. They were all a part of the formation community and had become great friends. Their sisterhood was vibrant, encouraging, and a source of great joy for each of them. They would usually arrive at formation nights together and sit with each other. Their friendship was good then, but it got even better. As more time passed, they began to become more convicted about mission, and they realized that their friendship could be a blessing to other women and to the community as a whole. They started to sit with new people at formation and form new relationships. By being generous and outward-facing in their sisterhood, that vibrancy, encouragement, and joy that they experienced in their relationships with one another became a blessing to the whole community because it was geared towards being a self-gift. These women stepped out of their comfort zone and took a risk in loving those around them. Being a sister to someone does not equal being best friends in the way that we often think of friendship. Being a sister is deeper than having inside jokes and sharing clothes, although those things can definitely be a part of sisterhood. Being a sister means that we take the risk of showing up for the women in our lives and meeting them where they're at. No judgment, just a desire to see the women that we know grow in relationship with Christ. Investment in sisters. If we desire to experience sisterhood, it needs to be a priority in our lives. 
The desire itself and our intentions to reach out to initiate relationships don't actually produce sisterhood unless we act on them. This may seem like an obvious statement, but think about it. How often do we get to 10 p.m. and decide to visit our housemates, stop by their room, and ask about their day? Isn't it so much easier to just get into bed and pop on a show instead? We may really want sisterhood, but unless we do something about it, it won't just magically happen. Maybe you are making it a priority, but you're in a situation where there isn't much sisterhood happening around you. Maybe you have a vision for it and a desire for it, but you seem to be the only one initiating. That's a real struggle. I encourage you to reach out to a couple trusted sisters, women you feel like you can really run with and share about your desires. Be honest with them that you desire rich sisterly relationships with them and invite them to build a culture of sisterhood in your house, your SPO chapter, your small group, wherever you find yourself. It's hard to feel like you're initiating everything, but over time, I promise it'll pay off. Authenticity is key. It's not unusual for us to adapt in social situations. We walk into an environment with other women and survey the way they act, how they speak, and what they're doing. Not just in SPO or campus ministry, but in class or a school club too. Naturally, we notice these things. Why? More often than not, we don't want to stand out. We want to blend in so we're not singled out or potentially judged or misunderstood. Women are pretty good at hiding our true selves, our personalities, struggles, interests, if we don't feel safe sharing them. We see this everywhere, right? It's all over social media. We have to look a certain way, talk a certain way, have a certain filter or aesthetic to feel accepted. But it just takes one woman to put her mask down, to go filter-free, and be real to give other women permission to be themselves. It just takes one woman to say, I struggle with this, to give other women permission to say, so do I. It just takes one woman to say, as the women at the well did, Come and see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Messiah? To invite other women into deep, authentic relationships with Christ. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable, to be real. Free women set other women free. This is a testimony from Maddie. Quote, I have a tendency in most of my relationships to keep people at a distance. With even my closest friends, I definitely know more about their lives than I allowed them to know about mine. This is a way I have lived my life for the past 15 plus years. If you haven't guessed already, and though it's hard for me to admit most of the time, I have a huge fear of rejection and of not being loved. I have come to realize that not only was this fear crippling how I lived and present in most of my relationships with other women, but this was an outward expression of an interior reality. I had, and still have, a hard time letting God the Father into my heart. I would rather learn about Him than to be with Him, and I try to earn His love. It was not until recently that I wanted to seek freedom in this harmful way of living and relating to others. I thought it was normal until I met a group of women who I could see lived differently. They were virtuous, honest, real, happy, free, and it was attractive. I wanted to live like they did. They reached me, embraced me, and were patient with me as I struggled to let them see my wounded heart. They asked me good questions and helped me see how the Father looked at me when they spoke truth into lies rooted deep in my heart, always with tenderness, sensitivity, and abundance of love. Since then, I have 
really been learning about living in freedom and knowing my identity as a daughter, dignity as a child, and the strength of my femininity. Ways to live sisterhood. I bet some of you are reading this and saying, but what do I do? I'm with you. Let's get practical. One, we have to address our hearts. And this isn't a one-time thing. We need to be consistent in examining our hearts and our intentions. If we find ourselves seeking to gain, to criticize, to compare, or to be fulfilled by our female friendships, our heart might need some reorienting. You can ask yourself, am I disposed to love, to serve, to honor, to understand? If not, ask the Lord to soften your heart and to have compassion on your sisters. Number two, assume the best of your sisters. If she does something to irritate you, don't assume it was intentional. When I've experienced sisters who've been challenging for me to love, I usually realize eventually that I don't really know where they're coming from. By trying to get to know them better, I have often developed more compassion and patience because I can understand where they're coming from. Number three, be intentional about your speech. One of our greatest tools or potential weapons as women is our speech. Our words hold deep power. We have the ability to build each other up or tear each other down through a few simple words or lack thereof. One surefire way to damage sisterhood is through negativity and complaining. On the flip side, our speech can bring life. You could try committing to not complaining or to regularly affirming your sisters. This doesn't have to be formal or awkward. It could be through a note or in passing conversation. We often see the good in others, but we don't always communicate it. Let's build cultures where we honor one another regularly. Number four, reconcile relationships quickly. Don't dwell on the wrongdoings of others. Be quick to seek each other out and ask for forgiveness or communicate about what's challenging for you in your relationship. Satan wants to tempt us to bitterness, but the Lord shows us mercy. Number five, commit and show up for each other. Let's say one of the women in the community is having some girls over for brunch. You wait until the last minute to respond to her invitation, just in case something else comes up that you'd rather go to. We've all done it. But what if you just commit to your sister's invitation right away? What if we show our sisters that we're there for them by showing up every week to our small group? The opportunities are endless to show our sisters that we are for them and that we're going to show up for them. Number six, get creative in loving and serving each other. Learn your sister's favorite things. Learn their love languages. Find out what makes them feel appreciated and then serve them by incorporating those things. This could be as simple as making your housemate dinner when they're studying for a midterm or letting them choose the game you'll all play for your small group hangout time. Thoughtfulness goes a long way. This is not an exhaustive list of how to build sisterhood, but these are good places to start. People go their whole lives desiring these kinds of relationships and never having them. You have a unique gift in your SPO formation community to be surrounded by women who want to love and serve the Lord and want to grow to love and serve each other.